The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Betza has been dedicated anonymously of Meir Ben Esther. Amen. Amen. Masechet Betza has been dedicated as well Mazal. Amen. We bless our anonymous sponsor that Bezat Hashem he should be blessed with Arichut Yamim, health, Oshir, Veoshir, Vechavod, and Bezat Hashem should be Zocher in the near future to raise a family uh, and continue all his good work for the community. Amen. Amen. Today's dap is being studied by Elul Nishmat Avraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanichenu began Eden. Amen. Today's dap is being studied with Fuash Shelema Sarah Bat Rachel. In the Refanada, in the Refanada, in the Refanada, for the Nefesh, for the Guf, for the Kerbal Abu Bechem Yerason, Benomar Amen. We begin today's dap on Ted Vav Amud Bet, 16 lines from the bottom. And we start with the words, Amar Mor. Amar Mor, we learned above, Shemanichim Chaye Olam, Ve'oskim, Ve'chaye Sha'at. We learned yesterday that when the uh, Bi'li Aizir was in the Shi'ur, so he got upset that the Talmudim left the Shi'ur to go have some Hat Yom Tov. So he said that they're leaving Chaye Olam, eternal life, and they're involving themselves in a temporary life, in temporary pleasures. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? What do you mean? They weren't getting involved in temporary pleasures. They went to do a mitzvah. After all, eating on Yom Tov is a mitzvah. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Li'ezer, the Ta'ameh. Rabbi Li'ezer is following his reasoning. The Amar, Tzimchat, Yom Tov, Reshu. Actually, Rabbi Li'ezer holds that it's not mandatory to have the holiday meal. The Tanya we learned in the Brachet Rebbe Yisrael Omer, "In lo leAdam biYom Tov, a person does not have an obligation on Yom Tov Ela, or Ochel v'Shoteh, or Yoshev v'Shoneh." Which means, if he wants, he can eat, but it's not mandatory. If he wants, instead of eating, he can sit and learn all day long. Which means, learning, according to the Rebbe Yisrael, is just as fine all day long, instead of eating. So therefore, he holds that they shouldn't have opted for the eating, they should have opted for the learning. Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua says, no, Hashem, Hashem. He says, no, you have to split the day. Half the day is for Hashem, and half the day is for eating and drinking. Both of them learn it from the same pasuk. One pasuk says, the holiday is going to be for Hashem. The Katuv Echadomer, we have another person that says, Atzeret Tihye Lachem, that it's going to be Lachem. So the Gemara Haket said, is it for you or is it for Hashem? So the Bili Ezeb Sabar, O Kodol Hashem, O Kodol Lachem. You can choose either all for you or all for Hashem, which means really you don't have an obligation to eat. If you want, you can eat. If you want, you can learn, but it's not mandatory. And that's what the Pasuk means. I'll say it to Hashem, and what Pasuk is, I'll say it to Hashem. Which means it's optional. 
However, the Yeshua says, the Yeshua Sabah, Halekeu, Hatio Lashem, the Hatio Lachem. He says you actually have to split it half <coughs> for Hashem and half for you. Now, he quoted a Pasuk yesterday, uh, the Bili Isaac, when we learned it. The Bili Isaac told the students a Pasuk that before the students left, he said, Go eat rich foods and drink sweet beverages. Go send gifts to those people that are not prepared. So the Gebra says, Who are these people that are unprepared? The person who did not make the Eruf Tafshilin. And therefore, he cannot prepare from Yom Tov to Shabbat if he's not going to have food. So for that person, go send him food in order to have something to eat. So again, the En Nachon, is someone that's unprepared, who did not prepare in Eruv Tavshirin. So they should share the food with that person. According to this understanding, somebody that, because of uh, circumstances, was unable to establish the Eruv Tavshirin. For example, as she says, if you look on the first, uh, second wide line, she lo hayalo laniyach kegon she avda lo abeda me'ariv yom tov u'mechazer kol yom achareya. Let's say he was busy; he lost an object on ariv yom tov, and he was busy searching for it, and therefore, because of that circumstance, he wasn't able to prepare in yiruf tavshinim. So that guy, the Bili Eden said, send manot le'en nachonot. Somebody that because of circumstances, could not have prepared the Eruf Tafshidim. But the Gemara says, Aval, Mi shayalo laniyah Eruvet Tafshidim velo eniyah, but somebody that had the ability to establish the Eruf, and he did not, Poshayahu, that is considered negligent, which means then you don't have the mitzvah to send him. Now, of course, if you want, you can send him food as well, but you're not obligated to send him because really he's a poshaya because he could have established the Eruf Tavshirin and he didn't. And we ended the pasuk and it says that do not be saddened, al te'atzebu, do not be saddened, ki hedvat Hashem because the joy of Hashem is your security. So the Gemara says, my ki hedvat Hashem what does this pasuk mean? That the joy of Hashem is your security. I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Shimon. Amar lehem Kadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael, Banai Levu Alai Bekadeshu Kedushat Hayom. My children, borrow on my account and properly sanctify the holiday. The Amin will be the Ani Poreya, and trust me, and I will repay your loans. Which means the Gemara saying the person that does not have enough money to make the Shabbat meal or the Yom Tov meal, let him borrow the necessary funds and trust in Hashem that what? That Allah will provide him the proper resources to pay back the loan. So therefore, the joy of Hashem is your security. That means the joy that you'll have by celebrating the holiday <coughs> is your security that Allah will make sure that the debts will be paid back. And the Gemara continues. The Amar of Yohanan, Mishum, Rabbi Yehazir, Rabbi Shimon. If a person wishes his property to last, we'll see what this means. The Gemara says, how do you keep your property lasting? 
Eder, or Adar. Let him plant the Adar tree. Shneemar, based on the Pasuk, Adir Bamarom Hashem. Adir is the strong one. Iname Adra Kishmeh, which means the, uh, the word Adar comes from the word Idra. Like the people say, my idra, the dare dare, something that lasts for many generations. And what is this referring to? So let's read the Rashi. Rashi, one, two, three, four lines down. Actually, uh, three lines. If a person wants to make sure that nobody steals his field from him, or his homes forces him to sell the field again. So the Gemara says, so that she says, Yitah Adar Ilan Hashuvu. It's a very Hashuv, uh, important tree. Yesh lo Shem Lebarhok. And it, when you plant that in your field, it has a reputation. Everybody knows about that tree. Which means, basically, what the tree is, it makes your field like a landmark. Everybody knows, oh, this is so-and-so's field. It's the one that has the Adar tree on it. And therefore, if a person wants to guarantee that everybody knows that his field is his, that nobody will come and claim that, you know, that uh, the field was sold to him or something like that, so plant this special tree. And by planting this special tree, so everybody will say, oh, we know this is Mr. So-and-so's field. We know that he has this tree on it. So it will therefore um, pr- make sure that nobody steals the tree. Next, that's Hozek. It comes from like Lashon, Adir. As she says, uh, strength, like Adir, Kishme, and some say no Kishmo, and what is the interpretation? So we said, uh, what does it mean by Idra? Something that will last for many generations, which means uh, a person has this field. And he puts these trees so it will cause his field to last by him for many generations. Again, same point. It's a landmark. A field that has this eder tree, it is not stolen. It is not forcibly taken from him. And its fruits are guarded. So that she says over here, Um, three lines from the bottom. Uferotea mishtamrim lo yadana mayhi. Then he says, Yes, mefarshim shenotim oto ala gibudim. Some say they would plant the edir tree on the border. Vieslo anafim harber. They have a lot of branches. Vihu lesadeh legeder. And it serves um, the uh, field as a border. So therefore it protects the field because it's like a natural uh, fence that they planted on the border of the field. 
שהוא מין עשב חשוב, it's a very important עשב, וזרעו מתערב עם הפירות. And the zera of this עשב mixes with the fruits of the field, and it saves the תבואה from all sorts of damages of worms and bugs. It seems that the smell of that zera causes the damaging insects and things like that to run away from the field. And therefore, the, uh, when the Gemara says over here, it's like a preservative to the uh, fruits of the person's field. Gemara further. We have a bright in the name of Rav Tachlifa, the brother of Rav Nai, Hosea. And the Gemara says, all a person's anasa is uh, fixed a whole year between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippurim. It means, of course, during the Asid Yimit Teshuvah, for the ten days, that's when God decides how much money a person is going to make for that year. Chutz, Mehotza'at, Shabbatot, Mehotza'at, Yamim Tovim. The exception of the expenditures for the Shabbat and for the festivals. And the expenditures that he pays for teaching his children Torah. If he spends less on those things, so they give him less. But if he spends more, he receives more. And therefore, that's not really part of his income. That's extra over and above what he makes. Now that she tells us over here, כל מזונותיו של אדם, top line, כל מה שעתיד לשפר בשנה, whatever person is going to make during the year, שיהיה ניזון משם, קצוב לו כך וכך יסתכל בשנה זו. It's established how much he's going to make. ויש להיזהר, therefore she says you have to be careful, ולעשות יסיעה מרובה. Don't spend and squander your money. Why? שלא יוסיפו לו שכר למזונות, אלא מה שפסקו לו. They're not going to add any more money to your bottom line. Whatever they established to give you, that's what they're giving you. They're not adding any more. So you have to know that whatever is established, that's what it is. And therefore, you have to know that uh, to, to spend it wisely. Which means that already they didn't decide how much you're going to make. Where it's going to come from. Which is whatever he needs, they're going to, he'll find that money. Whether immediately or later during the year, he'll find that money, meaning it'll come to him. So comes again what I now says, how do we know this? Amar Rabbi Abhu. How do we know this? Blow the shofar in the month that is called Kese. So the Gemara says, what does the Kese mean? The Kese which holiday do we have during the year <coughs> that is kissed, that the moon is covered? This is referring to Rosh Hashanah. And it says in that same period in Tehillim, It's a chok for Yisrael. So the Gebra says, How do we know that the word chok in this context is a lashon of mezonot? 
Because it says Bechtiv Da'achilu Tchukam Asher Natan Naim Paro. That was referring to the rations that Paro would feed his priests, and it calls the rations Chukam. Morzutra Amar Mehacha Hatrifeni Lechem Chuki. David Amir says, "Feed me my ration of bread." So you see, the word Chuki refers to Panasa, and therefore it says Kichok LiYisraelu. That's the holiday. That's Chok said that the Chok that the Panasa decided for Israel. Now, why is Rosh Hashanah called Bekeste Yom Hagenu? Why is it called the month that the moon is concealed? Because every other holiday, the moon is visible because uh, it's during the middle of the month. However, on Rosh Chodesh, the moon is only visible at certain parts of the day. And therefore, it's considered concealed. It's only visible a little part of the day, and it's not visible the rest. Therefore, it's called... Um, it's called so again, the proof is during the month that the holiday is a kese, which holiday is kese is concealed, that's Rosh Hashanah where the moon is concealed. And then it says right after that, that's the month that what? That the Panasah, the Chok is decided. Comes the Gemara says, Tanya, we have a bright Amru alav al They said regarding Shammai, the elder called Every day he would eat in honor of the Shabbat. How does he do that? Let's say he found a beautiful, nice animal. Omer zul Shabbat. He would put it aside and say it's for Shabbat. Let's say he found uh, a better one than that one. Now he puts the second one on the side. And he eats the first one. Now, he's eating the first one, the Chabot Shabbat. Why? Because by eating the first one, now he allows the second one to be available for Shabbat. So therefore, everything that he ate was really the Chabot Shabbat. That was Shammai's way. Whenever he'd find something nicer, so he would put that aside. And the first item, he would eat, but that's considered eating the Chabot Shabbat. He's eating the first one, so he could use the... Second one, but Hillel had a different standard, which means he would use whatever food was available on that given day. He wouldn't save anything. Which means he was sure and he had betachon that when Shabbat came around, God was going to give him exactly what he needs. Baruch Adonai, Yom Yom. Bless God day by day. Hillel again had a tremendous amount of betachon, and therefore he trusted in Borei Olam that his, panas, his uh, Shabbat needs would be provided. Comes the Gemara and says, Tanya Nemeachir, we have a bright to support this. Bet Shabbai Omrin, Mechad Shabich LeShabbatich. From the first day of your week, Mechad Shabich, from the first day of your week, LeShabbatich. Already you should prepare for your Shabbat. No, every day take what's coming for that day, and then you put trust in Hashem that will give you what you need for Shabbat. A person who gives a gift to his friend, he does not have to inform him. How do we know this? After all, Moshe did not know that his face began to illuminate. Now, even though this is going to cause the person to wonder, hey, where did this come from? doesn't matter. 
You give a gift, you don't have to let him know. What's the proof? When God illuminated Moshe Rabbeinu's face, it says he did not know about it. So comes the Gemara and says, Metive ladat ki ani Hashem kedeshem. It says in the pasuk that you should know that I am Hashem that has sanctified you. Actually, this pasuk over here is referring to the mitzvah of Shabbat. The pasuk says. Which means the Pasuk over here is referring to the Shabbat. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Moshe. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe, Moshe, Matana Tova Yeshli Bebet Kenazai. I have a wonderful gift in my treasure house. The Shabbat Shabbat. I want to give it to the Jewish people. Go inform them. If a person gives bread to a child, you must inform the mother of the gift. Well, you see over here the exact opposite, because we learned above that In the name of Rav Hama, that if a person gives a gift, he does not have to notify the person. And he learns that from Moshe Rabbeinu, that God did not tell him about the illumination of his face. And over here we see on the contrary, God tells the Jewish people, God tells Moshe, go tell the Jewish people about the Shabbat, let them know that I'm giving them this gift. And the Gemara is over here, that when somebody gives a child something to eat, you must inform the mother. So the Gemara says, Lakashia. Which means, it depends. On a matana, on a gift that eventually is going to be revealed anyway. For example, like in the case of Moshe Rabbeinu's face, eventually is going to be revealed. Somebody was going to tell him that his face is glowing. Therefore, you do not have to reveal it to him directly. However, a matana that is not going to be revealed, so then it's an adva to let the person know. <coughs> so the Gibra says, what do you mean? Shabbat namim matana David elegeluye. Since the Shabbat also was obviously going to be revealed. Because the Jewish people eventually are going to have to keep the Shabbat, so they're going to know that there's a Shabbat in the world. So therefore, it's also going to be revealed. Why did God say, go tell them? So the Gibra says, matan sekara lo avid elegeluye. But the reward for its observance was not going to become revealed. And therefore, God told Moshe Rabbeinu, go tell the people the reward that they're going to get for the uh, observance of the Shabbat. That one who gives bread to a child must inform the child's mother. How are you going to inform? You rub some oil on the child and apply some, uh, let's say, mascara around his eyes. And what is that going to do? So that she says, look at that she where it says, "Sarif lehudi al imoh la'asot lo ot besiman." 
which means put a siman on the child, like we said here, put some oil or the mascara. Because if he finishes eating it before he gets home, the mother's going to see the sign on the child's face. Who put that mascara, who put that uh, oil on your face? And he also gave me a piece of bread. And therefore, he's gonna, the parents are going to know that that person loves them. And that's going to be love, bring love and uh, friendship in Christ. So again, that's a, basically a sign. And when you place the, uh, the mark on the child's face, so basically that'll uh, get the parents curious. Say, who put that on your face? The kid will say, the same one that gave me the bread. Oh, that will be an indication that something happened, that the, that the, the bread was given uh, by somebody, and that will promote peace. But today that we're concerned about sorcery, which means now today we don't want to start putting uh, paint or mascara or oil on the child's face because the, the parents are going to think that somebody did magic or witchcraft to their child. <coughs> so bye. How can you inform the parents of the gift? Which means, let the, uh, let the uh, adult that gave the child the food, let him rub a little of the food on his face. For example, if he's having, let's say, a, a, a jelly sandwich, let him take some of the jelly and, you know, put it on his uh, lips or on his, uh, on his cheeks. The parent will come home and say, oh, you had a jelly sandwich. Who gave it to you? And then the parent, the child will say uh, that I was given to him as a gift, and therefore it will promote peace. Comes the Gemara and says, Amar Yohanan Mishim Nabi Shalom Ben Yochai, Kol Mitzvot, Shinatan Naim Kadosh Baruch Yisrael, All the Mitzvot that God gave the Jewish people, Natan Lahem Befarhesya, He gave it to them in public. Except for the Shabbat that he gave it to them in private. Which means the Pasuk says, That's private. Between uh, me and the children of Israel. What do you mean? The Goyim should not be punished on account of this. The Gemara says that God is going to punish the Goyim for not accepting the Shabbat. Now, why could you punish them? They didn't know about it. It was given privately to the Jewish people. So the Gemara says, no, Shabbat, Really, the Shabbat was revealed. And therefore, they're going to get punished for rejecting it. However, The part that was uh, not revealed and was given to us in a secret was the reward. God also informed them of the reward. However, But God did not inform them of the extra neshama that a person gets on Shabbat. Shabbat. A person gets an additional soul on Erev Shabbat. When Shabbat, they take it from him. Shabbat, and the Gemara Doresh on the Shabbat Vayinavash, Kevan, Shabbat. Once he has completed the Shabbat, 
Vai avdar nefesh. Vai nefesh. Woe to the soul that has been lost. And therefore, it was the neshama yitera that was given to the Jewish people in privately. The fact that there is a neshama yitera. Now the Gemara continues on the subject of Eruv Tavshilin. Ose Adam Tavshilin Erev Yom Tov. So we said a person has to prepare a dish before Yom Tov and he designates it as his Eruv Tavshilin. This is only referring to a cooked dish. Aval pat lo, but not bread. So the Gemara says, my shena pat de lo. Why isn't bread considered uh, substantial to set for the Eruv? Ilima midi demela pat ba'inan. Because maybe for the Eruv you need something that is melapet pat that accompanies the bread. And we know upat lo melapeta, and we know that uh, bread does not uh, accompany bread. You don't need bread with bread. The Kabbalah says you need maybe you need like a condiment. Well, we know that um, pounded grains, as they call daisa, it's also not melapetetapat. You don't eat it with bread. And the Amar Bizera, because the Bizera taught, these foolish Babylonians, they eat bread together with bread. So you see over here, that people do not eat bread with bread. And the Babylonians that eat, ate the bread with bread or the daisa with bread, they were considered pshim. The Amar of Nechumi bar Zechariah m'shemeh da'abaye me'arbin be'daisa. That you can use daisa. So we have a question now. What is the eder for the Eruv Tavshirin? You're telling me it has to be a tavshil, seemingly that, but not pat. So we're assuming why. Because it has to be something that you melapetapat, that you eat it with bread. So the Kabbalah says, if that's the case, daisa should not be good. But we know that Alakha says, you may indeed use daisa. So the Kabbalah says, Ela, midi de We need something that is not common. Upat shichah. Bread is common. Vedaisa lo However, the pounded grain is not common and therefore may be used. Now we have to understand exactly the Habamin of the Gemara, what the thought, and what the Maskana was. <coughs> the Gemara thought like this. Originally the Gemara said that an Eruv must consist of a dish that accompanies the bread because it seems such a food is hashuv and will be distinguished that you set it aside for Shabbat, as opposed to regular bread. But the Gemara rejected that because we saw Daisa does not accompany the bread, and it's still good. So therefore the Gemara now explains that the Eruv must consist of something not frequently eaten during the week. And since bread is frequently eaten during the week, so it's not considered legitimate for the Eruv, as opposed to Daisa, which is not frequently eaten during the week, so that would be okay. Comes the Gemara gives a different version. That which we said you can use for an Eruv only as a Tavshil, a cooked dish, aval pa'at lo. My Tama, what's the reason? 
Maybe because she needs something that's not common. Upat shiach, and pat is common, therefore it's not good. Daisa, lo shiach, what do you mean? Daisa is not shiach, means it's not common. The amad of nechumi bar zechariah meshemed abaye, en me'arvim bedaisa. In this opinion it says that you cannot make an eruv with daisa. That the Gebra says, in amidi de melepet ba'inam. The Gebra, according to this person, says, that dafka you need something that accompanies the bread. Upat lo melapeta, and bread does not accompany bread. Vedaisa name lo melapeta, and that's why pounded grain also is not good because it doesn't accompany bread. The Amar bizera hane bablae tepshae, the achle nahama benahama. These foolish Babylonians who eat bread together with bread. Therefore, according to this version, neither bread nor pounded grain would be valid. So basically. The difference between the two versions is, according to the first version, the law is that you need something that's different, that's not normally eaten during the week. That's considered hashuv, lichpot shabbat, that's how you set the eruv up. So therefore bread would not be good, but according to that version, daisa would be good. According to the second version, no, it has to be something that's made a petetapat, that's eaten with the bread. It's also lichpot shabbat. <laughs> Therefore, according to that version, both bread and daisa would not be good. Comes the Gemara continues. Tani Adashim kedera. Let's say you have lentils that are at the bottom of a pot. The guy cooked lentils, and now let's say on the bottom of the pot there were some lentils left over. He can rely on them for his Eruv Tavshidin. He should designate them uh, for the Eruv Tavshidin. The Gebra says, the Hanimili Kezait, so long as they have at least a shoot of a Kezait. Amar of Yitzhak Bered of Sakin, the fat that's, let's say, on the knife, Gorero, you may scrape it, Vesomech Alav Mishum Eruv Tavshidin, you can rely on it for the Eruv Tavshidin. Again, so long as it has a kezayit. Small fish that are salted. There's no problem with bishul goyim. There's a law that Hachamim made that any food that's cooked by the goyim is forbidden for us to eat. The reason why they made this isud is because they didn't want us to get close to them and the Hasbash would lead to intermarriage. But one of the laws of bishul akum is that if the food is edible on its own before the cooking, so therefore it's not going to be asur. And therefore, these salted fish, they're edible as they are. <coughs> therefore, if the goy comes and cooks these salted fish, there is no problem of bishul akum. Amar of Yosef, Amar of Yosef says, If the goy came along and roasted them, you can rely on it for Eruf Tavshidin. But the Hadush is over here like this. And even though we just said it's not considered Bishul Akum, yeah, it's not considered Bishul, the Anyan, the Isur of Bishul Akum. But bottom line, if the Goy does uh, roast it, it is considered roasted. And therefore, you can use that fish for your Eruf Tavshidin, because bottom line, it is a roasted food. It's a Tavshidin, you can consider it. And therefore, to be permissible, the Avdinu Nochri, Kasa Darsana Asur. But if the Gentile made what's Kasa Darsana, 
That's uh, taking the fish and putting flour on it, cooking it, so that's asur. Well, the simple reason is because, bottom line, they're cooking the flour. Uh, while the fish might have been edible in its salted state, but the flour was not edible. And therefore, if a goy cooks kasadar sana, breaded fish, so it's going to be a problem of bishul akum, so the gebras is peshita. Of course, of course it should be asur. Bottom line, he's cooking the flour. I would have thought I might have thought that the fish fat is the main ingredient. And therefore, since the fish fat is edible, so therefore there's no problem. The flour is the main ingredient. And therefore, since they cooked the flour, which was unedible, therefore it is a problem of Bishul Akum. Needs a like we said. The question was this. There's a kezayit enough for everybody who wants to rely on the Eruf Tavshirin. Or maybe for each one. Which means, let's say a person is making an Eruf Tavshirin for his family, his household, and another household. So the question is, do you need a kezayit per household? Or is it enough to have a kezayit to cover everybody? That's the Gemara's question. To that, the Gemara says, Tashema, the Amara bi Abab, Amara, Eruve, Tavshirin, Sidikin, Kezayit, Ben Lehad, Ben Lehmead. Eruve, Tavshirin, it's a kezayit, whether it's for one, whether it's for many. Tenan, we learned in the Mishnah, Achalo, O Sheabado. If let's say one ate the Eruve, or let's say the Eruve was lost, Lo Yivashel Ala, Betachila. So one may not cook from Friday to Shabbat. But even if there's a uh, meaning a drop left, so you can rely on it to cook for Shabbat. So the Gemara says from the Lashon of the Mishnah that says, It's that even if it does not have a Kezayit, that goes against Rabbi Abba's rule, because Rabbi Abba just taught us that you need at least a kezayit. Gemara says, Gemara says, no, no. The eat be kezayit. Which when the Mishnah said, shiyeh menu kolshu, kolshu doesn't mean a drop, it means minimally a kezayit. But I ask another question. Tashema tafshil shil sali. Let's say you have a cooked food where you roasted it. Or let's say the item was pickled. Shaluk. Shaluk is cooked very much. Cooked normally. The or Spanish mackerel type of fish. When you poured hot water on it before Yom Tov, and bottom line, you made it now cooked, you made it edible. Which means, at the beginning of the establishment of the Eruf, there's no Shi'ur. Which means, if something happened to it at the end, there is also no Shi'ur. My love and no Shi'ur Klal. In the beginning, there's no Shi'ur. Nor if something happens to it at the end, there's also no Shi'ur. So I can be about saying, you need a Kizayit. It means here there's no Shi'ur on a maximum going upward. But there is a minimum. And what is the minimum? 
עקב זית. אני מקבל רק יותר אמר אבונה אמר רב, עירובי תבשילים צריכים דעת. עירוב תבשילים requires knowledge, which means the one that's establishing it has to establish it with knowledge. There's no question that he's the knowledge of the one that's establishing the Eruv. Since he's establishing it, he has to know exactly what he's doing. That, of course, he has to have kavanah that the Eruv should be effective. He has to have kavanah that the Eruv should work. However, do you have to have kavanah also? Does the person... who the Eruf was established for, does he also have to have Kabana or lo ba'inam? Or is it not necessary? Again, let's read that inside. Da'at mi shinicho lo lamedvav ba'inam? Do you have to have Kabana for the one that it's established for, meaning the person that the Eruf established for, does he have to have Kabana as well? Or maybe no. Maybe so long as the one that placed the Eruf had Kabana for everybody, it's enough. So the Gebara says, Ta'ashema de'abu d'shmu'el The father of Shemuel, Me'arev Atkula Nehadda'ah. He would make an Eru for the entire city of Nehadda'ah. Rav Ameh and Rav Aseh Me'arvu Atkulu Teveria. Rav Aseh and Rav Ameh, they would make an Eru for all the people in Teveria. Now, some want to say the proof is from these two stories. That what? That you see that they made the Eru for everybody, and who knows if the other people had Kavanah for them or not. But other Rishonim want to say no. The proof is actually from the third story, which we're going to read now. Machriz Rabbi Yaakov Bar-Idi. Rabbi Yaakov Bar-Idi used to announce on Yom Tov, Whoever did not set up the Eruf Tavshidin, you can come and rely on mine. And therefore you see, obviously the people had no idea that the Eruf was being established for them before Yom Tov. Because he was announcing it on Yom Tov itself. Whoever needs an Eruv, you can rely on mine. So you see, you don't need that of the person that it's being established for. That's the Gemara's proof. So the Gemara says, Ve'ad kama. Now, you're allowed to establish Eruv for other people. But, until what distance? She's, people, how far away? Until the Tchum Shabbat. which means until 2,000 Ammah outside the city. That's to consider the range where a person can establish a roof for somebody else. There was a blind man who used to recite Braithot in front of Mor Shemuel. One time on the holiday, Mor Shemuel saw that he was upset. So he told him, Amai Atsibat. He tells him, Why are you dejected? He says, Because I did not establish the Eruf Tabshidin, and therefore I cannot prepare for.
Are you there, boys? Yeah, yeah Rabbi, Rabbi. Okay, I lost you for one second. I'll start that story again. Okay. Gemara continues. Ha'hu samya. There's a certain blind man that used to recite that I thought in front of Mor Shemuel. On Yom Tov, Shemuel saw that the blind man was all upset. Shemuel tells him, Why are you upset? Because I didn't establish an Eruv Tavshilin, and therefore I cannot prepare food for Shabbat. It's okay, you can rely on my Eruv. I establish it for the entire community. The next year, again, Shemuel saw the blind man, was dejected again on Yom Tov. Why are you dejected? Again, because I did not establish the Eruv Tavshinin. That's it, it's the second time. One time we let you forget. But the second time is considered negligent. They call it Alma Shari. For everyone else, it's permissible to rely on my roof tafshilin. But for you, it is going to be prohibited. Why? Because since you were negligent about keeping the salakha, you cannot rely on this uh, leniency. Now we just should point out one item. If you look at the Rashi. She says on the Debura Matrin the Shana. The Shana Akhirit Verosha Shana Haya Sheen Yahoo Ladia Olat Not. She says the case over here of the blind man was talking about Rosh Shana. Now, on Rosh Shana, as we learned in the first Pedic, the two days of Rosh Shana considered Yoma Arikta. And therefore, it would not uh, help you if you forgot to make the Eruv on the first day of Yom Tov, normally on a regular Yom Tov. You're allowed to make a condition that if today is Yom Tov, then uh, tomorrow is not Yom Tov, and therefore I don't need any Eruv. And if uh, today is Chol, then my Eruv will be established today, and tomorrow is Yom Tov, I can cook based on the Eruv that I made today. So therefore, normally on a regular Yom Tov of two days, you can make a conditional Eruv, even if you forgot to make it before. So that she goes out of his way to tell us that we have to say the blind man, the case was Rosh Hashanah. Do ask on Rashi over here, why do you have to say it's Rosh Hashanah? You can just say it's the case of the second day of Yom Tov that he remembered. Once it gets to the second day of Yom Tov, this conditional Eruv is not an option. Secondly, they ask on Rashi, why did Rashi uh, tell us that only during the second year, when he forgot, that she tells us it was Rosh Hashanah? Why didn't he tell us in the first year as well? And therefore, uh, many argue on Rashi and just say it was a regular case of two days of Yom Tov, and remember on the second day. But that's the uh, opinions uh, either way. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.